Zechariah chapter number 3 tonight, book of Zechariah chapter number 3, and we're going to begin by reading, it's just 10 verses long, we'll read the 10 verses, and then we'll come back and take a look at it. Zechariah 3 verse number 1, it says, And he showed me Joshua the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among th these that stand by. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at, for behold, I will bring forth my branch, my servant the branch. Uh, for behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the engraving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. Talking about the iniquity of Israel. It's going to be removed in one day. And that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. Now, here we see the Lord promise to restore his people and make them his very own. From the time that the Lord first chose Israel, he called them to be a certain thing. He called them to be his peculiar treasure, he called them to be a kingdom of priests, and he called them to be a holy nation of people. We find that all the way back in Exodus chapter number 19, verse number 5 and 6. Listen to what it says. Exodus 19, verse 5 and 6 says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And I want you to hold your place there in Zechariah. Flip back to Isaiah chapter number 1 for just a moment. Isaiah chapter number 1. And we see Isaiah looks forward to this time. And if you know anything about Isaiah 1, he calls his people to repentance. He calls them to turn and back to him. Uh, and 
Uh, if they were to do that, uh, Isaiah 1, verse 26, when they do that, so he says, And I will restore thy judges as at the first, and thy counselors as at the beginning. Afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converts with righteousness. Now we know that by their unbelief, rebellion, and disobedience, Israel had been everything but what the Lord called them to be. Those of you that had been with us in our Wednesday night studies for the last, I guess, five or so years that we've been going through the books of the Kings and Samuel and uh, Judges, Joshua and Judges, and now Ruth, uh, you understand we've seen over and over again the unbelief, the rebellion, and the disobedience uh, that the nation was, uh, uh, even though the Lord called them to be something different than that. Now, according to verses 1 and 2 here in our text, Joshua the high priest was a representative of Jerusalem. That's what the a high priest represented the people. He would take and, and offer the sacrifices and represented the people to God is what he represented. So he's, uh, he's representing uh, representative of Jerusalem. And we know that Israel is prophesied to be the royal people in the coming messianic kingdom. Uh, this third chapter of, of Zechariah uh, describes how this reinstatement is going to come about. First of all, we see Israel's enemy revealed. Should be no surprise, right? Satan is their enemy. Verse 1 and 2. Look at what it says. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And that's what Satan's good at, uh, at resisting folks. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now, Satan is God's greatest enemy in spiritual history, and he would like nothing more, uh, Satan would, uh, nothing more than to prevent Israel's reinstatement and the, prevent the coming messianic kingdom. And uh, God wants to heal and save. We know that. He's a good God. Amen. And uh, Satan wants to injure and destroy. <laughs> and Satan is the one who continually accuses and persecutes Israel in just the same way that he loves to uh, persecute and accuse the church. And, and so Scripture refers to Satan uh, as, quote, the God of this world, unquote, who works in the uh, children of unbelief. He brings the nations under his control to oppose God's work in Israel and the church. Now, Satan's goal is to actually destroy Israel. That's why we see the utter hatred of Israel in the day in which we live. Because if, if he can get Israel wiped off the map, then he, he will win against God. It's not going to happen, though, okay? When, when the Lord said that Israel was like a brand plucked out of the fire there, that we saw, saw that uh, phrase there, we see a glimpse of the long periods of suffering God's people have experienced over the years. Going back, even in ancient Egypt, the Lord saved his people like a brand out of the fire. For 400 years, they were in bondage, hard bondage to Egypt. 
Now, in the same way, he also saved them out of the four world empires that we previously talked about. Later, after their dispersion in 70 AD, God saved them from the innumerable organized attempts to annihilate them, and not the least of which were the fires of the Holocaust during World War II. I mean, uh, if, if Hitler had had his way, every Jew would have been extinguished. Every Jew. Psalm 66 verse 12 refers to such times of their suffering and their salvation through the Lord. It says this, Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. And that's what the Lord is going to do with uh, his people. Isaiah 43 and verse number 2 adds this, is that when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, says the Lord. Okay, And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Now, at the end of time, another mighty confrontation will take place between the Lord and the dragon, between the Lord and Satan. And will result in Satan's being cast to the earth in Revelation 12, verses 7 through 17. And immediately he will begin to persecute Israel. But the, the Lord will intervene at just the right moment and will pluck Israel like a brand out of the fire of destruction. Finally, he will bring his people of the covenant to salvation, to peace, and rest. And in this battle, which is prophetically foreshadowed in the book of Zechariah, salvation does come to them in one day. It comes to them. Now, we know in our day and time, the, the media and many world leaders, uh, I mean, we, if you've turned on the news in the last, since October, when the attack of Hamas against Israel took place, and Israel has responded against them. Uh, if you've looked at any news accounts of that, you will hear many world leaders that are calling for Israel to stop for them to back off, they're calling them um, uh, a war um, warmongers, yeah, and and uh, accusing them of things that are, that are not true. But uh, Israel, because uh, they're God's people, these world leaders continually accuse Israel. And that's because Satan uses the world as a weapon against God's people. He's the God of this world. And you would expect him to bring everything he's got against Israel. Many of the United Nations resolutions have been uh, directed against Israel uh, since they're coming back into the land and uh, have led to them wanting to condemn her. Uh, Arab nations are among the Jews' most ardent accusers and haters. They would love nothing more than to see uh, Israel wiped off the face of the earth. The Jews were blamed and condemned for all sorts of things. If you remember from your history lessons back during the Nazi Reich, and the, the Jews were libeled and condemned as guilty of ritual murder and well poisoning during the Middle Ages as well. And the, uh, the nations that have opposed Israel both in the past and in the present 
don't even realize that they have been and continue to be uh, tools in, the, in Satan's hands. That's what they are. They're tools in Satan's hand, and they don't even realize that that's what they are. But listen, it doesn't make them any less guilty because Satan's behind it. It doesn't make them any less guilty. We know that Satan is also an enemy of the church. <laughs> Jesus Christ, uh, uh, the church, and believers are continually accused of hypocrisy. They're humiliated, reviled, and in many parts of the world they're even persecuted and killed, which uh, some of that persecution and killing could come to our land very soon. <laughs> But Romans 8, verse 33 and 34 still says this, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And I'm glad we have such a high priest. Amen. What a wonderful high priest we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, thank God that we don't stand before God clothed in our own righteousness, but, we, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Uh, he took our sin, we get His righteousness at the point of salvation. How can we confront and dispel the enemy's accusations against us? Well, we, we can't overcome his accusations through ignorance or de desperation. However, it's written in, Revelation 12, 11, they were overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Yeah. That's the overcoming force is the blood of Jesus Christ and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. Now we overcome every type of accusation the enemy tries to use against us in the following ways. With, uh, through the blood of Christ uh, for forgiveness, we, you know, that the folks may want to point the fingers of accusation. Y'all still got sin in your life. Well, it's, been, it's, it's under the blood. Whatever sin that you may see in me, past, present, or even future, is under the blood of Jesus Christ. doesn't give me a license to go out and sin, but knowing that we all come short of God's glory still, even after we're saved, it's all covered by the blood. Through the Word of God, we have His promises. I mean, there's things that come not only to Israel, but also to us that are in the church. There are things that we have that are, God has promised us the same way that uh, God has promised Israel certain things. And then uh, we overcome by uh, consciously placing our lives in Jesus' hands. Realize that God's still in control, folks. The Lord's still in control. And we, we must uh, uh, say, Lord, uh, your, your, your will be done in my life. We must learn to allow the Lord to speak for us. When the enemy accuses, we must admit our failure while clinging to God's promises. Yes, we have sinned, we have failed, but we have also humbled ourselves and have received forgiveness through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our high priest. So we see enemy, Israel's enemy revealed. He, he's our enemy too, Satan. Amen. We don't have to uh, be concerned about him because of our Savior. Uh, second thing we see, we see Israel's unrighteousness. Israel's unrighteousness. Apparently, Satan had good reason to accuse Joshua in Jerusalem because the high priest was indeed clothed in filthy garments. We saw that. Uh, then verse 3, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And you think, we, uh, 
there's a lot there that can be uh, pointed to. Uh, the unrighteousness that we see here is Israel's own righteousness. Kind of reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 10. It just came to mind. Okay, I only have it marked. But in, in, in Romans chapter number 10, which we were recently in the book of Romans, but this, this is what uh, Paul said in Romans 10, verse number 3. It says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And that's why uh, he is representative of Israel standing and he's, he's clothed with uh, uh, filthy clothes because that, that represents the righteousness of Israel apart from Christ. Joshua remained the high priest despite his filthy garments. Why? Because God's gifts and callings are without repentance. We saw it in, in Romans eleven twenty nine. God is going to fulfill what he has promised to his chosen nation. Um, now in verse number 4 and 5, we see that Israel's restoration is guaranteed. <laughs> it's guaranteed. The guarantee of Israel's restoration lies in the work of Christ. I mean, he got the <clears throat> verse number four. He answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. Aren't you glad the Lord took away our filthy garments? He's going to do the same thing for Israel. And he said unto him, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. And I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. So um, the, the guarantee of Israel's restoration lies in the work of Christ. Joshua wasn't pardoned by the Lord because the accusations against him weren't justified, but because of God's mercy and love. You know? God's wrath against us was certainly justified. But aren't you glad for mercy and love in our, in our lives? There are three components that make up Israel's future salvation and serve as assurance for us as believers under the new covenant. And these three things speak louder than any accusation ever could. First of all, the Lord chose Israel. He mentions that in verse number 2. Uh, Said, even the Lord hath chosen thee, chosen Jerusalem. Even the Lord hath chosen Jerusalem. Uh, God's sovereign choice is much stronger than all of Satan's accusations. God's choice takes place apart from any natural advantages or human efforts. In Deuteronomy 7 7, Israel is called the smallest nation. And I mean, it's, it's a speck. When you take a look at it uh, on the globe, it's a speck for sure. And in Deuteronomy 9, verses 6 through 7, it's described as both stiff-necked and rebellious. And, and yet the Lord chose the smallest, and he chose these that were stiff-necked and rebellious and showed it very much so uh, throughout the Old Testament. Okay? But this sovereign choice by the Lord is seen in Deuteronomy 14.2. Listen to Deuteronomy 14.2. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself, 
above all the nations that are upon the earth. Um, the Jews aren't holy on account of their own righteousness. They're, they're not, but because of God's own righteousness. And as a sign of this, Joshua was given a change of raiment, and it said he had a fair mitre set upon his head, uh, there in verses 3 through 5. And uh, listen to, to Romans chapter number 11, and uh, let me read two verses to you. I, I mentioned one of them just a minute ago, but listen to Romans 11 verse 28. It says, As concerning the gospel, they are enemies, speaking of Israel. They are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So Israel is called an enemy of the gospel, yet even that doesn't deter God from holding on to his chosen people and fulfilling what he said he was going to do through them. Amen. God's faithful. He is. He's faithful. All of Satan's attacks against Israel will ultimately fail on account of the Lord's divine choice of her. This also applies uh, to us as born-again believers, you know, in the church. Uh, you know, we, we know that God has chosen us in Christ Jesus, and we can be, we know Romans 8.33 is true. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justified. God justified me. God justified you if you're justified. But there's also a passage in 1 Peter 2.9 which reminds us of Joshua the priest. It tells us that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, you know, Israel uh, was set aside for a time because they failed to live up to what they should have. Uh, we need to make sure that we are what God's called us to be. Amen. God's choice of us in Christ is a divine decision and it's absolutely independent of all human effort. When, when Satan attacks our salvation, he's really fighting against God's holy will. And for that reason, listen, he's never going to win. <laughs> he can't fight against God. Um, However, in order that we not rest upon our election, we are called to work on it and make it sure. Amen. 2 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the Lord chose Israel. Another thing is Israel is a brand plucked out of the fire. That's that phrase used in the last part of verse number two. Israel is a brand plucked out of the fire. We know that in Scripture, fire is a picture of judgment. <clears throat> Our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Uh, the, the Old Testament tells us that. Um, uh, all that has been plucked out of the fire has been saved from judgment. <laughs> Uh, where and how will Israel and every other person be plucked out of the fire of judgment? They're going to get saved the same way we are in Christ. You know, it's going to come from being in Christ. Romans 8, verse number 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 
For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Their righteousness, our righteousness, comes from the same place. Amen. So the divine judgment was executed on the cross of Calvary, on God's Son, Jesus Christ, who hung on it so that we could be plucked from this judgment and so that Israel could be plucked from that judgment. This has already taken place for the church of Jesus Christ, and it will be fulfilled for Israel in the future. Those who believe on Christ, we know, will not be judged. But those who do not believe are already judged. John 3, 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he believeth not is condemned already, because he's not believed the name of the only begotten Son of God. Those who believe on Christ have passed from death unto life. John 5, 24. But God's wrath remains on those who do not believe. The blood of Christ shed for our salvation, though, speaks louder than all accusations that come our way. The accuser has to shout, but Christ only needs to speak. Israel will also experience this forgiveness. Notice the, uh, verse number 4. <clears throat> uh, notice the, the latter part of verse number 4. It says, And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, okay, and I will clothe thee with the change of raiment. And we know in verse number nine. Look at verse number nine. Um, uh, it says, "For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the engraving thereof, and uh, saith the Lord of hosts." And note, notice this: and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In one day. Now, the Lord stands by Joshua. That's the third thing I want to say. Uh, the, the Lord stands by Joshua there in verse number 5. Messiah is, uh, is that angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Uh, Messiah is the guarantee for the righteousness and holiness of Israel and the church. And the high priest mitre, if you remember in the Old Testament, over in Exodus 28, verses 36 through 38, talks about that mitre. And uh, it, was, it had a, an engraving plate on it that said, Holiness to the Lord, okay? that was placed on that mitre. Uh, and so the high priest mitre signifies holiness, and the clean garments signify righteousness. And both can only be attained through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And the day will come when uh, Isaiah 61.10 will be fulfilled. And it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decked himself with ornaments and as a bride adorned herself with her jewels. We also can find peace in the one who ascended to the right hand of God. And represents us before the Father. No accusation can ever take us away from God when Jesus is our personal advocate. Amen. We have, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous. The guarantee of Israel's future lies also in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what, that's what uh, verse 8 and 9 of our text is talking about there. It talks about it being the, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, get in the right place here and go. 
Um, uh, verse, verse number 8 and 9. Look at it again. It says in verse number 8, Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wandered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant the branch, that's Christ. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the engraving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall, every, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. Listen, uh, the Jews are marvelous people because of their marvelous God who alone can perform miracles. Israel's history is filled with miracles. I mean, we know it just even in our present day and time when you take a look at how, how many times that they've been protected by the Lord when uh, uh, their enemies surely should have wiped them out but the Lord didn't allow it to happen. Even in... Uh, Christ church our God does wonders in every respect we his people can only stand and gaze in amazement at what he does sometimes the wonder of Israel lies in the servant the branch and the stone who's the servant the branch and the stone with the seven eyes Jesus is the servant of God who did the will of his heavenly father he came to this earth he humbled himself became a servant, and even bore his cross himself. And look at how Isaiah describes him. And Isaiah, look at Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. And here he's called the servant. <clears throat> Isaiah 42, verse number 1 through 4. Isaiah 42, verse 1 says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he hath set judgment in the earth and the isle shall wait for his law. Uh, he's the servant. Jesus is that servant. Jesus is also the branch of the Lord, the branch from the house of David that's mentioned in Isaiah 11, verse number 1, who will set up the kingdom again. Uh, Israel will bear fruit in him, in and through him. Isaiah 4, listen to Isaiah 4, verse number 2 and 3. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion, he that remaineth in Jerusalem, shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. So Jesus is the servant. Uh, he, he is that, uh, that branch. But he's also the stone that the builders rejected. This stone has become the cornerstone. Psalm 118, verse 22. That will also become Israel's ultimate salvation. The immovable foundation of our redemption was laid at the cross of Calvary. When Peter 
told Jesus in Matthew 16 uh, that uh, Jesus asked, who, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And he t- they, they started saying those things. He said, but who say ye that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, upon this rock I will build my church. He's talking about the, the statement that Peter made. Upon this rock I will build my church. Um, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. First Peter 2, 6 says, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Well, there's going to be a remnant of Israel that's always going to believe and not be confounded. We, we have believed on him, we shall not be confounded. Jesus is also the stone recorded in Daniel chapter number 2, which will come from heaven to earth at the end of the days and will crush empires and become a mountain which fills the entire world. The stone, uh, it's mentioned here, it has seven eyes. What's that all about? <clears throat> seven is the number of completion, right? It's the, it's the perfect number. And uh, the seven eyes point to the Lord's omniscience. He sees it all. Hebrews 4.13, All things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Amen? Um, in Revelation 5, verse number 6, says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth to all the earth. Now the fullness of the Spirit of God lives in Christ Jesus. We know that. We have already seen that He sees the whole world and how the nations uh, behave toward Israel. We saw that back in Zechariah 1.11. He's not, the, the, the Lord is not pleased with how Israel is being treated right now, I can assure you. Uh, but He's not asleep. He's not asleep. The passage concerning Israel's restoration as the royal nation among the nations closes with the words there that we read in verse 9 and 10 that He's going to remove the iniquity of that land in one day. And that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall ye call every man his neighbor under the vine and under the fig tree. Listen, on the, on the day of Jesus' return, when he, uh, there at the end of the tribulation period, all of these prophecies will become reality in one single day. You know? uh, then Israel will shine as the vine and Jerusalem as the fig tree in the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. The complete restoration of Israel is a fact. You can count it as a fact. Tis going to happen. It, nothing's going to keep it from happening. Amen. Let's make sure that we stay on the right side of Israel. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to...